Welcome to the Devotional Toddcast, hosted by Pastor Todd Walker and Crossroads Church in Littleton, New Hampshire. Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase, go big or go home. You ever heard that before? Go big or go home. That's going to be the, the Toddcast title tonight. Before I get into it, do you like big scale things or small scale things? And I'm not talking about the scale in your bathroom, okay? That's, okay? I think we can all agree we would love to be a little bit lesser than that. But let's, let's think about like planning a dream vacation. Are you the person that wants to do it big and you do it grand? Are you the person that wants to go, a staycation is really all I need. I just need a, a time away in my bedroom <laughs> with some coffee and a pillow. And... In fact, let's get a show of hands. Who, who wants to go big and... Let's see the big people, big, grand, grandioso. Let's see our staycation people. Loaves, I gotta be on that list. I gotta be on that I have eight kids. Go big or go home is what we're talking about today. Well, it might not surprise you, but one thing about the Walker family is that we never do anything small. Never, because we can't. Simply by pure mathematics, everything we do is bigger than most families. And that's a stressful thought for most people. And I told you about this on Sunday. Uh, the woman at the store that I, I was telling her about the size of my family, and she felt the need to sigh and groan for my benefit. <laughs> out of the pure terror of having a family of our size, she just had to let out this big sigh, like, <sighs> and uh, of course, she doesn't know the makeup of our family. She doesn't know if we have the means to provide for them, which we do, barely. Um, so the only thing that could terrify her, the only thing that could have terrified her was, was simply the size of our family, the largeness. She just heard how many kids we had and, and that brought distress to her mind. And I was thinking about that. Why? Why is that? Perhaps she was thinking about what it takes to feed all those kids. Okay. It's a valid thought, right? Perhaps she was thinking about the workload we must have because that's a pretty good workload. Uh, perhaps she was thinking about the lack of sleep we endure, which also is true. Uh, perhaps she was remembering her own experiences of raising her own family and then hearing the size of our family and going, well, I'd have to times that by two or three. And uh, I don't know what she was thinking. That's the point. But we have a big family. We have a big family with big needs. It requires big energy and big planning to meet the big size of our family. And we kind of like it that way. I know. I know. We're freaks. Because who says that? Who says we like big, grandioso things? Um, who wants big? Who wants big needs and big workload? If anything, people are looking to downscale. You heard that phrase before? Scale down your home. Scale down your life a little bit. And just make life easier. And even as a big family, we, we try to adopt that strategy at the same time. We really do. We, we honestly do. We take some shortcuts in our family, like, like most families just to make life a little easier. And it's, it's just honest, I'm gonna be honest. We, in fact, I, I would even say this, our scaled down version of what we try to accomplish is still bigger than what most families require or even desire. Our family is just big. But 150 years ago, 100 years ago maybe even, uh, our situation would have been relatively common, wouldn't it? Big families were much more common about 100, 150 years ago. We would have had essentially a normal family back in the day instead of being the freaks that we are right now. Um, but now everybody wants easier, don't they? Lighter, quicker, cheaper, less cumbersome. And I'm questioning when did that, when did that begin? 
Like, honestly, when did that start? Like, did it begin with the automobile? I don't know. When did the automobile come out? Sometime 19-teens, something like that. Over 100 years ago now. Um, did it begin with the automobile? Did we, did we start to realize that since we could go places faster and easier, and we, we just got attracted to convenience? Maybe. Maybe that's possible. Now, again, we can't fit into a standard automobile. Most standard automobiles will not hold the Walker family. Um, so going anywhere as a family is a chore. It's a task. It takes a lot of work just to go down the road to the park. Sometimes it takes a lot of work just to get in the backyard. Um, it's just a lot to do. And I promise you, going somewhere with our family is, is a big task. But maybe this convenience that we're, we're attracted to started with the automobile. But that was just the beginning, wasn't it? Next came microwaves and toaster ovens. Anyone still have a toaster oven? Um, toaster ovens, dishwashers, washers and dryers, the automatic garage door opener, garbage disposals, TVs, VCRs back in the day, DVD players, kind of phasing out as well, and eventually the internet, right? Now we have the internet. We have internet in our pocket on our phones. And life just started to get more and more convenient for our culture. We started to adopt a quicker, faster-paced lifestyle, and we eventually just got used to that lifestyle. We like that lifestyle. We like it scaled down a little bit. We like things a little easier. And, but we still want to accomplish great things, don't we? We still want to accomplish great things. We just want to do it with minimal, minimal hassle and relative ease. And maybe you're thinking right now, okay, Pastor, you're starting to make me nervous a little bit. Are you, are you, are you encouraging us to go Amish? <laughs> are, you, are you trying to make us feel bad about having all this technology and all these conveniences in our culture? And I would say absolutely not. Because if I made you feel bad, I would have to feel bad too. And I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel guilty because all of those conveniences that I mentioned, I like those. In fact, I like more than those. Um, I don't even want to go to a restaurant to get the food that the restaurant prepared for me. I want them to bring it to my car. Because why not? You bring it to my car. You prepare the meal, bring it to my car, and I'll just roll down my window and you hand it to me. Now, how lazy is that? But it's honest. What's my point tonight? My point is this. There might be a little bit of a danger to that kind of mindset if we go too far. We might have become too comfortable and too small thinking in our lives. And we might have a fundamental problem in our brains. And if we don't want any hassle and any difficulties in our life, that might be a problem, at least in the spiritual journey. Now, maybe it's not a huge issue where we live because everyone in our culture seems to want the same things. Everyone wants to downscale and make life easier. I, I get it. I really do. And because my mind works like everybody else's. Even though we have a huge family, that does not mean we desire hassle and difficulty. Because we don't. I mean, if you saw how our family operated behind the scenes, you would go, oh, they're just like us. Only they scale this philosophy to a large family, and we have a similar philosophy than you would, too. And you'd be right, because we do. And the main problem that I see maybe is not even a problem or maybe it's not even a problem right now. Maybe it's a future problem. Maybe it's like a train coming down the tracks that we just need to be aware of. Um, but nonetheless, the philosophy of ease, convenience, and removing all the difficulties from our lives, it's difficult. It's difficult to make work as a Christ follower. Do you know why? Because of the phrases that Jesus gave us. He said this in Matthew chapter 16. This came right out of Jesus' mouth. In verse 24, it says, He turned to his disciples and he said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, Jesus commanded us to take up our cross and follow him. And, and the cross would have definitely been a nuisance to Jesus, an inconvenience to Jesus. And he knows that by commanding us to pick up our cross, that's going to sound hard to us. That's going to sound like a chore, like a nuisance, like a bother to us. And perhaps potentially drive us away from desiring to follow him. And honestly, guys, he's God. I mean, if he wanted to, he could have taken all the difficulty away from us, right? He could have allowed us to just reap all the benefits of Christianity and take all the hassle and hardships away from us. If he wanted to, he could have. But it's almost as if he died to allow us the chance to live a similar life that he lived. It's almost like Jesus did it that way. And maybe he did. Maybe he did exactly that. Maybe Jesus died so that we could follow his exact pattern on the world and feel all the things that he felt and struggle similarly than, when, than how he struggled here upon the earth. But here's what's cool about Jesus. He did big things for God. In spite of all the hardships and all the hassle and all the difficulties, he did big, big things for God. Big things for God's glory. Big things for God's kingdom. In fact, did you know Jesus did so many big things for God that the entire Bible can't record it all? In fact, maybe even not the entire world can record it all. Listen to this verse. This is how John, the Gospel of John, ends. I love this verse. It's John 21, 25. Now it says, Now there were also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Man, isn't that awesome? So, that's right. I'm not going to do that. But that's a powerful thing to understand that Jesus thought did and thought so many big things that the, the scriptures of the world could not contain them all. And perhaps that's a little hidden treasure for us tonight. Because perhaps we need to change our mentality from doing as little as necessary in order to just be recognized by Jesus on the last day to accomplishing so much that by the time Jesus comes, we're completely exhausted. And Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, refers to heaven as eternal rest. Did you know that? Eternal rest. Doesn't that imply something that we're going to need an eternal rest? <laughs> and maybe that's where the phrase rest in peace came from. I don't know. Maybe that's where it came from. Because rest is symbolized with eternity. And rest symbolizes that maybe we need something because of a tired journey that we were on. Now, of course, I want us to be careful here tonight. I don't want us to fall into what I'm going to call a Martha syndrome. Okay? Maybe if you're familiar with Luke chapter 10. That story of Martha and Mary where they have Jesus over to their house and Martha's all bothered by all the chores and setting all the table and, and all the fixings and getting everything ready. And then, and then there's her sister Mary just planted herself right before the feet of Jesus and just sat there and just listened to him. And Martha's all bothered by that. Like, and she basically gets so bothered she starts barking orders at Jesus in order to get Jesus to tell Mary to get up off her bum and help Martha. And that's where Jesus sort of has to recalibrate Martha's mind and say, Martha, Martha, you're bothered by many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the better portion. So our strategy tonight is not that tonight. It's not to fall into a Martha syndrome, okay? I'm not telling everyone out here tonight to just go out and try to do more for Jesus. I'm encouraging us to change our mindset. To change our mindset from how easy can we make this Christian life to how big can we think and believe in order from the grace and the power and the, and the wisdom that God offers us. And as we learned on Sunday, we have every reason to be bold. 
Because our God can do anything, can't he? And we're on his team. No matter what the score looks like right now, God and everyone on his team is going to win. Now, I told the Laternos I was going to use this as an illustration because we were talking about this the other day. I was watching a football game, uh, the Titans and the Dolphins. Anyone like NFL? No. I know the Laternos do because we already talked about it. And I was watching this game, and I don't, I, it wasn't a good game. It wasn't a good matchup. The Titans are really bad, and the Dolphins are really good. And it should have been this lopsided victory, but it wasn't. I started to watch this game, and it was, start, it was a really close game, and I got really involved in it. Um, but then I got tired and uh, couldn't, couldn't last the whole game. So we have these little devices now where you can kind of pause things and you know, return to it next week. Um, so I, I did that. I, I decided to pause the game, and I was going to watch it later. And then by accident... I ended up seeing the end of the score, but I have to tell you a little bit part to the story. The Titans, who were well underdogs in that game, actually ended up turning the ball over with like four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and the game was tied. They turned it over, the Dolphins scored a touchdown. Okay, like four minutes to go. The Titans get the ball back, they, they go back on a drive, they fumble, hand it back over the Dolphins, the Dolphins take it in and score a touchdown. Now there's less than four minutes in the game, and the Titans are down by two touchdowns. And in my mind, I'm going, wow, this is the perfect time to go to sleep, right? This is the time I, I, I salvage the night. I go to bed at a reasonable hour and just say, nice try, Titans, but you couldn't pull it off. And then the next day, I saw the score. I saw the score that the Titans had won by one point. And I'm like, oh. But I had taped it. I had taped the end of the game, so I ended up going back and watching the rest of it. And, and, and the whole, even while I'm watching it, I almost can't believe that it's going to happen. Even though I know the score, I'm watching this game going, there's no way they could score two touchdowns with a backup quarterback and a bad team against the Dolphins with less than four minutes. But they did. And they ended up winning by one point. It was an amazing thing. And I, and I started to think about, that's kind of how Christianity feels sometimes. It kind of feels like the clock is ticking. We're weary. We're labored. Everything's difficult. Everything's against us. There's no way this is going to turn out well. And then we listen to God. And God says, come boldly to the throne of grace and get the mercy and help that you need for your time of need. And I think that's a good reminder for us tonight. We don't need to be big on our own, do we? We don't need to try big on our own, do we? That's a bad strategy. We need to think big and we need to believe big in order to go get the big grace of God. Because he makes it available to us. When we believe big, we go to our big God and he ends up relieving all that tension that we're feeling about all the hassle in our life and our Christian life. Having God in our corner gives boldness, not hassle, right? It's the opposite of hassle. It's confidence. It's courage. It's help. It's relief. It's support. And I want to, before we close, I want to consider a few of the saints in the Bible and how they lived. And we're going to rattle through these very quickly. You'll know all these stories. But let's consider the legacy of a few saints, whether they believed big or believe small. Number one, Abraham. Abraham is the father of every spiritual descendant who ever lived or ever will live. Is that big? That's pretty big, right? Sarah had a baby when she was 90 years old. That's pretty big. Noah built a massive ark by hand for close to 100 years. That's pretty big. Moses split the Red Sea in two so his people could walk through on dry ground. I'd say that's pretty big. Joshua marched until Jericho was in ruins. That's pretty big. Rahab protected God's men at the risk of her own life. I would say that's pretty big. David took down the giant Goliath with one stone. That's pretty big. 
Elijah called down fire from heaven so God would be glorified. That's pretty big. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not afraid of a fiery furnace. Daniel was not afraid of a lion's den. That's pretty big. Mary conceived the baby Messiah. Is that big? That's huge. Peter preached to thousands of people and started the church. Peter, or excuse me, Paul managed to share the gospel with millions of people and endured more persecution than anyone ever thought possible. And etc. 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 This keeps keeps going on and on and on. In every amazing biblical story, there's one thing that's a common denominator. They were simple people, weak humans, with a big faith and a big God. And because of that strategy, the enemy had his hands full with all of these people. Because they didn't think small, or weak, or lazy, or made excuses about their lives, they boldly stood up against the devil and said, you're going down. And then they boldly followed through by boldly glorifying God, using his strength, his promises that he provided them. And I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing Christians pushed around. I'm tired of seeing Christians bullied into thinking that the best we can do for God are, are small things because we have so much against us. That is defeatism, and it's not good when you have the almighty God on your team. In all reality, we need to chase away defeatism by our boldness to do big things for God and doing it the exact way our Lord Jesus did, with humility, with compassion, with kindness, with generosity, and with forgiveness. Those don't seem like big weapons, do they? They seem like small weapons. But Jesus did massive things with those weapons. Bold Christians using meek tools teamed with the power of the Almighty God is the story of every Christian faith in the scriptures. And we have some big things around us, don't we? We have, a, we have a community that needs the gospel. That's pretty big. We have a church with many growing ministries. That's pretty big. We have hurting people who need compassion, like homeless people. That's pretty big. We have many children in our midst who need to see and hear about the love of Jesus. That's pretty big. We have a big enemy who's coming at us every day of our lives. That's pretty big, isn't it? And we have a massive God who expects us to glorify his great name. That's huge. So we need to think big. We need to believe big this Christmas season and this new year. Let's not, do all, let's not just do more on our own strength. That's not the strategy tonight. Let's believe that God cannot be stopped, that we know the final score, and let's get out there with his grace and his mercy and act like God cannot be stopped. And let's get on mission for obeying Jesus Christ. Jesus and his saints have changed the world, and I want to be a part of that team. I want to be on the winning team. And we are, thankfully. So therefore, my encouragement to you tonight is get out there and think big for Jesus. Do big for God by his big grace, simply because one day Jesus did it for us, didn't he? He came down and he did big things for my soul and for your soul. And let's return the favor by God's grace alone. Thanks for listening to the Devotional Toddcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. Learn more about us at CrossroadsOfLittleton.com. Crossroads Church, seeking to shine the light and love of Jesus in the heart of New England.